Reading from John 1, 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and through the world was made through him. The world did not recognize him. Though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The kids are invited to Kids Church with Emily this morning. You may be seated. Came flesh and dwelt among us. This is what we gather here this morning in recognition of, in honor of, and blessedness of, is that Jesus Christ, the Word, became flesh and dwelt among us. That Emmanuel, God with us, has taken on our lowly estate and come and rescued us as one among us. Now, what's hard is we've been following the lectionary for Advent and, we, and for this Sunday of the Christmas season is John 1, it's an intense passage. Um, John 1 has so much depth and meaning. It has so much to say, so much to teach us, and it's Christmas morning. <laughs> some of us are tired, some of us are worn out, some of us are ready to get back home and play with our toys. Sorry, Brian, wherever he went who just read the last scripture, he's ready to go home and play with some of the new toys that he got this morning. Um, And so we have this beautiful reading that names for us cosmically what we came to last night. Last night we heard that reading. We also heard Matthew and Luke. The story, very human. The days of Caesar Augustus, a census, the exciting census. Um, uh, And the census was so that you could pay taxes. Even more exciting. Um, John, being more crafting than that, opens his gospel with a cosmic sense. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. John draws us into the depths of what this might mean, this incarnation in a different way. And so that's what we have for this morning. Now, for those of you who attend here, each year we spend from around New Year till Easter season in one gospel. This year is the Gospel of John, 
Um, and this is the, uh, let me think, the second time that I've been here, so seven years, uh, this is actually only the second time we'll walk through the Gospel of John. John's one of my favorite Gospels, but it's a bit of a tricky Gospel because he adds things like this beautiful introduction that aren't in the other Gospels, and he takes out some of the things that orient us in the other Gospels quite well. There is no transfiguration in the Gospel of John. There is, um, uh, he cleanses the temple at the beginning of his ministry, not the end. Um, the baptism is almost kind of referred to as Jesus walks by at the end of this chapter that we're reading today, rather than a full-blown baptism with the testimony of the Father. John's Gospel has beautiful teachings and a beautiful narrative that goes throughout it, but it, it, um, and we'll have that image up of the four Gospels. Uh, it's in the winged beast thing from Revelation. Is it's the one that is the bird, it kind of looks at things from above. It's the eagle that sort of sees the gospel cosmically more than on the ground. So it raises up different questions, different journey, different challenge, different gifts. And I'm excited to start it, and yet we start here on Christmas Day with one of the um, most beautiful um, in, in depth's passage. I was talking to another pastor this week, and I was like, what do you say about that? And he was like, I just say the word dwelt with us. Um, uh, because that's the heart of it, and, and then we move on. Um, that seems too easy. Um, but it's not. Uh, as, this is what Augustine said of this phrase. A certain Platonist once said that the beginning of this gospel ought to be copied in letters of gold and placed in the most conspicuous place in every church. Should be copies and should be made uh, in letters of gold and placed in every church. This passage has that sort of beauty to it, that sort of ring to it, that it, that it should be um, placed prominently in our hearts and in our churches. Because on this news, everything sort of hinges too. Is, is, is this one the word? Is this the one who has come from God? Is this the one who has re, uh, resided with God? Is this the one who dwells among us and takes on flesh? Last night, um, I read Pope Leo's sermon, The Greats from the 400s, but he has this beautiful phrase in there, if, if you caught it, is he says that if he were um, not man, um, he could not be an example for us. And if he were not God, he could be of no help to us. What this beginning captures, this beginning gospel captures both of those truths. First, that, that he is the word is that makes him a help to us. If it were just up to us, it would be hard to find that help. Humanity has tried in many different ways to, to make a help for us, and they failed in multiple ways. Um, there's always sort of a cliff that we fall off as we walk those roads. It comes to us from outside of us, this help. It is light in life, is what John's Gospel calls it here in the beginning, that comes and resides among us. But so too in that dwelling, in that becoming flesh, becoming man, God is also an example for us so that we then can live our lives in love, that we too can be, in the words of Isaiah, blessings are those who bring the message of peace. Peace is a word um, that, I, I mean, this is obvious, but I often forget it, is peace means that there was something that wasn't peace before it at times. 
When you bring a message of peace, you bring a message that conflict has ceased. What happens in the word becoming flesh in the world is darkness tries to overcome it, and yet the light still shines forth. We know of darkness. We see it in the news. We see it um, in our local communities. We see it, I, I think, if we're honest, if we're honest, in our own hearts at times. Darkness presides in our corners of ourself as well. And yet the light continues to shine through that in John's gospel. So John's gospel has this way of starting in that way of, of calling us into the depths. Last night we heard it in history, and here we hear it today in its light and in its glory. The psalm talked about how creation resounds in this way. That all the earth radiates with this message. Americans, we're blessed as we are. I think this is funny. Nobody else ever laughs. But in the words of Stanley Hauerwas, we have people who believe that I believe Jesus Christ died for my sins and rose from the grave and was God incarnate among us, but that's just my personal opinion. As if knowing that news could stay that small. It is big and grand news. It is world-changing news that God, the light and life of the world, has come and resided among us. The psalm speaks of everything resounding because if it's that news, it causes all creation to sing. It's just uh, the, the big Lebowski line. Is anybody a fan of that? I can't remember it. That's just like your opinion, man. It's not the way we handle this news. Um, uh, I should have put the picture up. Um, and yet this is, this is what it proclaims, is that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That the word took up residency in the world and came near to us. I like Eugene Peterson in his translates the message, uh, translation of the message says, the word moved into the neighborhood, which has benefits and negatives, but to say that the word has come near into our world, into our neighborhood, that Christ became incarnate in that way, that we speak of him making his dwelling among us. The Greek at that passage, dwelling too, is close to the word tabernacle. If you are first century hearing this, you'd be hearing that, that Christ makes his dwelling amongst us like as he resided in the temple. That holy and beautiful spot which was ordered and, and given to the, the people of Israel is now made flesh in a person. Think about that, that, that we have our own ideas of what beauty and order looks like. And often they're abstract and they're further from us. Um, and what John says is that thing now moved into the neighborhood. That beauty and truth in life took on flesh and comes near to humanity, comes near to, to rescue, comes near to bring hope, comes near to bring light. And so it starts with that, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The, sorry, the last thing is the Hebrew readings. I try to hit them all if we're going to read them all. Um, but that God speaks to us personally now. That in those previous days, he was revealed in parts and bits. But now, in its fullness, we are hearing it. Martin Luther, who, who wrote This is the Christ, not as a song, but... Um, had a way of saying in which this God in the manger is the only God in which I believe in. 
that the word came and has become personal in that way. That before we saw in bits and pieces, and now we see in its fullness. Later in Hebrews, he'll say, but we do see Jesus. And there's a lot in that. That we see this one who is the word. And so, in the effort of making this sermon exciting for Christmas morning, I decided, why not do a word study on the word word? Um, uh, That's partially a joke and partially true. Um, uh, But it begins with, the word was God, the word became flesh, and the word now lives with God. The word was God. The word that was God became flesh, And now that word lives with God. And it is light in life. Second thing, um, before I get too far, is uh, it comes into conflict. It's the creation of all things, and yet it's not received. As we walk this journey with John, we go from this Sunday to the cross. We go to the human attempt, the darkness that's in the world, the darkness that's within us, the human attempt to extinguish that. I don't know who said it first, but the wood of the manger is pointed out is the wood of the cross. The wood that we come to this day is also the wood um, in some ways in which he is going to at the end of this journey. And yet the light doesn't stay extinguished, um, but the light shines forth nonetheless from that. And so we have that truth in this as well. But the word um, has these different ways. Now, word is bold in this, one, because um, it just seems like it should be. Um, But second is, of our five, we have one, three, five of the five. If you remember, one of them is word. When I spoke about the word that Sunday that we originally sort of came to those things, it was one of these ways in which the word first is Jesus Christ. When Christians say we're people of the word, we're not first speaking of our Bibles. We're speaking of the word made flesh. My parents in Sonoma go to a Baptist church, and in the back they have this beautiful image of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And to make it symmetrical, they added the Bible. Uh, And I was like, that is the Baptist Trinity. Uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, plus the Bible. Um, But when we say we're people of a word here at Defiance Church, that's not what we mean. The Bible is a witness to the revelation of what God does in Jesus Christ. But it is not first what we mean by word. We mean the word that takes flesh and comes amongst us. So in Israel's history, too, this is not to say that the word also means scriptures. We still mean that, that that what Jesus becomes is the incarnate of what was written before. Jesus becomes Israel living that story faithfully, if you want to think of it that way. Mark's gospel hits that theme a little bit better, is that Jesus, too, sort of goes into a wilderness and is faithful through that testing and trial in the way that Israel wasn't. Jesus is the scriptures in some ways. 
But that's a temptation we have in the modern world to say that the Word is like God, the Word was God, and the Word, uh, and we mean the Bible, and not the one who is God, the one who is God incarnate. Scriptures become a witness to that, but they are not the thing themselves. The second is, and John's gospel captures this well, is it's the word of creation. If you remember back to Genesis 1, God speaks words, and it makes the world. In this passage, too, Jesus is the one whom through all things were made. Um, everyone... Um, and though, he was made, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. We call Jesus the word. We call him the one who is there at creation, this word of creation, this bedrock of creation. The word brings us back to Genesis 1, and it's the word in which God has made and ordered the world. This one is the actual um, Greek word, uh, that, that, that Jesus is the logos, the logic, um, which, to be fair to me, sounds really boring. Um, uh, Jesus is the logic, 2 plus 2 equals 4. Um, we just use logic, uh, use common sense, this type of thing. But in the um, time that you're, uh, John is using this word, logos, logic, um, He's naming the, the current of creation. He's naming the way that things are all ordered and the way that they hang. This word has depth and meaning in that time. It's a philosophical term. It's not just a common sense term. That he is, he is the logic of all things. He's the knowledge of all things. He's the knower of all things. He is the Logos who has become flesh. The one who's come near to us in that way. We see him in that way. And how does this work? Those are, those are three different ways of sort of looking at the word. Um, this is from uh, Dale Bruner's commentary on the Gospel of John, which is uh, one we'll be hearing a lot from as we go through the Gospel of John. But he says, as I was coming to articulate this, I heard it first articulated best, I think he says, by a woman in a Bible study in a church in Connecticut. And she said this, I think the way that a human being's audible words relate to his or her inaudible thoughts, which we very much want to know, is the way that the divine human Jesus relates to the invisible God whom we very much want to know. That Jesus is the logic of all things, the creation of all things, the word of all things, expresses to us the invisible God in visible ways. He is the word become flesh. He is the word who's come among us. He is the word who's expressing the divine to us in that way. He's the one who makes that known. The last one is that he is the wisdom. Um, this is another one that's prominent at the time. All of these are probable, and since I am not a first century expert, and I doubt people who are who live in the 21st century, I think it's best to hear all of them. Um, uh, you know, some better or smarter preachers might be able to say, oh, it's definitely this one. It's been a long time. Um, 2,000 years. Um, but I like the wisdom one, too. 
And wisdom, as we've been going through the wisdom literature each summer, is this gift to Israel to sort of begin to to live uh, artfully in the world, to live in craftsmanship in the world. So to say that Jesus is the wisdom is to say that he is the artwork, the craftsmanship come in creation. He's the wisdom in that way. And that... um, makes it so near to us, I think, sometimes, too, is, is we use wisdom as an abstract term, but the Israelite notion of wisdom was so close, so practical. It was for living on the rough ground of our lives. It was for living in that way. And what I think, two final thoughts um, before we close. One is, is that there are ways in which we say things predominantly in the world. The first is we say things in prose. Um, we live in a very prose world. Um, uh, essays, sentences, paragraphs, this, that, and the other. Well, John, and several other parts of the New Testament, when they speak of, of the divine, um, thinking of Philippians 2, um, and the Colossians, the opening, they, they come in a hymn-like way that is almost speaking like poetry. And that, I think, is good for us to Remember. So often we want it in prose so we can get our handle on it and control it and know it and use it. And what often God will give us when we get closest and nearest enough to what God is trying to reveal to us, God speaks and reveals in poetry. And poetry can be frustrating. Um, Poetry can be beautiful can lift us up out of ourselves. It can instruct us. It can name better for us things that are than prose. Sometimes when we say things in simile or metaphor or when we say things in, in language artfully contrasting things, we actually get closer to what we're saying even though we've moved further from it. We get closer to the truth sometimes when we say, um, poetically what we mean about someone even though it's further and further away from concrete language and it's like i should have tried to think of more meaningful ones than like all the ones that are popping through my head like that you're the wind beneath my wings or something like that which is to say the person is not literally the wind beneath your wings but they're that which lifts you up and enables you to move through the world like, when we, when we begin to use language in that way, that the word became flesh, and it's very literal in that one sense, but what does it mean? That the logos, the wisdom, the song of creation became flesh? Now we're talking in poetry. We get closer to the truth in those ways. The last thing, going back to the psalm, um, is that I think what, what we can, I think it means something to us today in a way um, because we are such a music-based culture. Most of the time, people, if you ask people when they feel most lifted out of themselves that are into music at least, they'll say at a concert. Um, and it can be any different kind of concert. Sometimes people say, which concert? And I'm like, really? That was your choice, Vanilla Ice. Well, to each their own. Um, uh, classical music, um, often, uh, I think most, we, there used to be a period where people who had seen U2 in concert would often say that it was like worship, it was transcendence. Um, uh, 
you can think of your own instance of that, the music that, that brings you out of yourself, that brings you to transcendence. But what I think what the psalm is proclaiming and that all of creation is going to rejoice because of this news, all of it's going to resound, repeat the sounding joy, is that the music, the tune of the universe, that which, that which we trace through things and we say this is good and beautiful, even though we hear and see so much dissonance, that's the darkness. We have dissonance in the world, but that the good, the true, the beautiful music resounds in this one. The key of the universe has become incarnate in this one. Transcendence has taken up residency and moved into the neighborhood. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let us pray. God, you have gathered us in this morning to hear the great and grand news of Emmanuel, God with us. We come together this morning and celebrate and sing praises and hear the scriptures and story of what it means for you to take flesh, to move into our world and our neighborhoods, to be both a help to us and a model for us. God, stir in our hearts this day. We may be busy, we may be tired, as we may be worn out, or as we're joyous too, or celebrating, wherever we might be, God, open a space within us to take in the grand news that the Word became flesh, that wisdom became flesh, that logic became flesh, that the tune the universe has been singing and being revealed became flesh as though it looks like that may be too good to be true. It's the light that still shines forth. It's the life that still goes on. And through that, you've made us children of God. Yes, all this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.